This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. 147 total bangs for an 18.9% bang rate. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. King. Good initial protection, but the secondary did its job. And then finally, Chris Dolman gets the sack, and that's nothing new. He's among the all-time leaders in that department. That's his second sack of the game. Defensive ends that Boomer Esiason is going to outrun. In fact, there are a lot of defensive ends. Chris Dolman is not one of them. Without a huddle, on first and 10 from the 11, and Esiason in the grasp and sacked at the 25 by Dolman. Man, so Mackie and Judd with Rami, and uh, the news came out late last night, came out around midnight. Chris Dolman, the legendary Chris Dolman, passes away after a two-year fight with brain cancer. He's one of the, not only the, one of the greatest Vikings players of all time, he's one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Once had 21 sacks in a season. He's fifth on the all-time career sacks list. And you guys, I finally went back early this morning. And I started watching, and I didn't watch the whole three hours, but I watched that 1987 San Francisco 49ers Minnesota Vikings playoff game. Just to, like they got Joe Montana in his prime benched in that game, that defense led by Chris Dolman. And it's amazing. Like we don't talk a lot. We talk a lot about the purple people eaters in the 1970s. We talk a lot about the 1998 Vikings and the Brett Favre era Vikings. That late 80s Vikings team and that defense led by Chris Dolman. I have two takes after watching that game on YouTube last night. Number one, it's probably the most untalked about, underrated era of Vikings football ever, just because, you know, like they didn't, they didn't pay it off with the Super Bowl. Like the 70s teams went to Super Bowls and they didn't have the flash maybe of like the 98 team or the Brett Favre team. And is it possible if you start to look up Vikings defensive players and, and pass rushers like Dolman, John Randall, even Jared Allen, and now Daniil Hunter and all the dudes from the 70s? Can you find a franchise in NFL history with as many guys like Chris Dolman just up and down the decade as the Minnesota Vikings defensively pass rushers? Because I don't know if you can. Probably not because you'd go um, Eller, Page, Marshall in the 60s into the 70s, and then they pass the torch basically to eventually the Dolmans. Keith Millard, just to put this into context for our uh, younger listeners, in 1989... Keith Millard and Chris Dolman combined for 39 sacks. That's absurd. Chris Dolman had 21 sacks. And then you go into Johnny Randall. So 
No, I, I would say not. And I might be wrong here, and there certainly have been some some teams that have had great D-linemen, but when you think about how the torch has been passed through this franchise's history of defensive tackles and defensive ends, it's staggering. And, and Dolman, who spent nine, what I would say, dominant years as a Viking, his first nine years were spent here. I believe of those, the first two years after being the fourth pick, in the draft in 85, he played linebacker for two years, moved to defensive um, end after that, and then came back for a short stay in 99 before he uh, retired. Dolman is second all-time in franchise history in sacks to Johnny Randall. Dude, I just looked up... Okay, Rami, this is amazing. I just looked up the 1989 Vikings. I, think I was four years old for the 1989 Vikings. Rob, you probably actually remember the 1989 I was like, Vikings. I was like nine or ten. Yeah. Okay. So you were like just starting to figure out what football thoughts were. Sort of, yeah. In the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Henry Thomas had nine sacks in 1989. And he was fourth on the team in sacks that year. What? Yeah. Henry, Henry Tom, by the way, the, a lot of these guys were left over, too, in the early 90s when I started playing Tecmo Super Bowl. I'll tell you, Chris Dolman, Henry Thomas. Oh, man, Chris Dolman on Super Tecmo Bowl was a beast. It was basically Lawrence Taylor was in a different category. Yeah. And Derek Thomas, I think, was on that game, too. Yeah. But Chris Dolman, pretty Unstoppable. Underrated. Yeah. Unstoppable. The Packers also had a nose tackle on that game. I don't even remember what the guy's name was, but they accidentally gave him we like a Lawrence Taylor time. rating. Yeah, Bob something, <laughs> Bob, that, Nelson. How, Bob Nelson. How does that happen? That's uh, amazing. One of the programmers was a was a Packers fan, apparently. Yeah. Oh, I mean, let's goose his speed. <laughs> you talk about things that could never happen now. Just some arbitrary backup guy on some team in Madden. Let's give him a really good rating. It's amazing. Tecmo Super Bowl. But Dolman was phenomenal. He was so, fantastic. But here are the Viking sack totals from that 1989 season. So Chris Dolman, his his best ever season, right in the middle of his prime. He was a, He's an eight-time pro bowler, just at his peak. 21 sacks in 1989. Keith Millard, as Judd said, 18 sacks. Al Noga had 11 and a half sacks. And Henry Thomas had nine. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's ridiculous, that's and that's insane. by the way, that's in an era too where they did, the teams didn't pass as often, so you didn't have as many chances to sack quarterbacks as these guys would today. When and guys you could are probably dropping hold back. more than two, you probably could. You yeah. could probably get away with a lot more tugging on jerseys than you can now. You probably could. Um, but as I was trying to go back and compare and contrast, you know, Chris Dolman and go back, I, I I had forgotten about this, and Judd alluded to it in an email to us before the show. They didn't actually track sack totals for the Purple People Eaters. No. Which seems just sort of lazy. <laughs> like, why can't someone? Why can't someone? I know they didn't track it in the moment, which is also ridiculous. But right. can't in the forty-five years since we can't go get sacked? There's not some intern for <laughs> NFL.com that can go back and watch some tape. Hasn't like Pro Football Focus or Football Insiders? Haven't they? Haven't they already gone back and watched and analyzed just about every game that's on film from the NFL to compile statistics and analytics? None of them. None of them tallied sacks. None of them counted sacks that we have a number now. Apparently they stopped in the early 80s. They just went back and were like, nah. This. Well, the league basically said, the league didn't acknowledge the stat, which is incredible, until 82. What I'm curious about is, I get that stats have evolved and changed, right? And we track way more stats now, which is fine. But, like, what's the baseball equivalent to sacks? And if baseball had been like, Batting average, uh, yeah, we could track it, but we're not going to until 1980 or something. I honestly think would it be strikeouts? It's something. I mean, it's, it's a it's a huge it's a huge measuring number, isn't it? 
What's, more, a, what's more important defensively than getting to the quarterback? I mean, you like could say inter- well, intercepting a quarterback's pass, you okay. could say. People were barely throwing the football back then, though. Okay. Like, it right. was just another tackle behind the line because they only threw the ball like eight times a game. So they just looked at it as another tackle for loss. You're probably right, but it's still staggering to think about where, to Phil's point, now it's still like, yeah, you know, we started to track this. But, but, like, but honestly, can't, can't there, there's not someone out there, hey, Vikings.com, okay, Vikings Entertainment Network. You can't send you can't send some intern just out of college. Hey, go watch the nineteen seventy two season and tell me how many sacks Carl Eller had. In fact, I'm looking at his pitch right now. He played from nineteen sixty four to nineteen seventy nine. The sacks year year by year, the category is there, nothing but zeros. <laughs> So if you were to, if you're a young football fan, you're like, oh man, this guy stinks. Yeah, <laughs> Grandpa told me all about Carl Eller. I'm going to go find out what the Hall of Famer was about. Zero, 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 zero. zero. Sorry, Carl, didn't have any sacks. A lot of tackles. So have you guys ever? You guys are baseballreference.com geeks like me. Sometimes you ever just peruse around and wonder. You go like like Babe Ruth's numbers or something from a hundred years ago, or Ty Cobb or something, or like Cy Young had five hundred wins all before World War One, basically, right? So you ever you ever you ever hear the story about how Baseball Reference gets those numbers into their database? I just assume they go back and watch every game, so kind they of have access to or find a box score. Well, but games weren't televised until the. 50s, yeah. 40s or 50s. Box score? So the scorecards exist from back then? Yes. So there is a there is a company or some sort of a, an entity called retrosheet.org. Oh, yeah, I've checked them out too. And yes. retrosheet.org is a volunteer at least it was as of a few years ago. It's a volunteer service. Mm-hmm. And they literally comb through with help from baseball diehards and you know generations passed down. They comb through scorecards and box scores. If they can't get an official scorer, then maybe your great great grandpa had a box score because people would, people and Judd keep score of <laughs> baseball games. Right? I've got old scorecards. I, I was going to say Judd, those old, old those old books full of old scorecards could actually <laughs> come in yeah, yeah. And so they, so when you're looking at like Ty Cobb or the the early 1900 statistics on the internet, and I'm sure I'm sure broadcasts reference these numbers all the time too, like Fox Sports North ESPN. They're literally getting those numbers. From your great great grandpa's recollection of what happened during the three hour game. There's not some equivalent, not even going back to the 1930s in the NFL. There's not even like some equivalent to the late 70s. Can't get know. something. Are there, okay, are there, there, people don't do what Judd does for football. There's nobody sitting okay. at home on a Sunday <laughs> with some kind of official scorecard keeping stats if on the game. Scoring at home. Along. Nobody's ever said that this? during a football game. That's a fourth quarter comeback if you're scoring at home, ladies and gentlemen. How about this? This is as simple as it can possibly get. Instead of arbitrarily having decided in 1982 to track the sacks uh, statistic, why why on earth don't we just go back to the merger? Like, are you telling me you can't go back to the what I believe is the 1970 season? So I'm not even asking you to go back to the 40s, 50s, 60s. It is hilarious, but you can't you can't go back to when the AFL and NFL merged to become one. You can't go back 12 more years. And if I'm not mistaken, that film at one time all existed, and box scores sure still exist. There's no way they don't. So go back through all the box scores and just go back to the start of when you merged because that's when we do all the stats now, right? Since the merger is always what you hear on broadcasts or you read, 
Are you really telling me it'd be that tough to go back and tell me, starting in the 1970 season, how many sacks Page, Eller, Marshall, and Larson had? It can't be that hard. Seriously. There's other things, too. There's there's all kinds of, like, in basketball, they didn't track turnovers until a certain period, so... I just love you, how they like, decided you, what was important. Yeah. They they didn't track they didn't track offensive rebounds. Like you'd have to go back. They tracked total rebounds, but they didn't track like offensive and defensive rebounds until someone finally said, "Let's get a little more granular with the what we track." You know how there's a resistance to analytics, like in the modern age. Do you think every time they introduced one of these new statistics, some, there was some like old school grouch out there who was like, "I don't need I don't need you to tell me how many times my guy sacked the quarterback. I know I got eyes. I have a gut. I'll tell you if he's a good football player." <laughs> we don't have to keep numbers. Like numbers are for idiots. Like here's one, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm, I'm 90% sure I'm right. So during the Wilt Chamberlain era in the NBA, they didn't track blocks. So you had yeah, the most sense. imposing yes. big man in the history of the NBA, yep. who just towered over opposing players and had seasons in which he averaged 50 points, 38 points. 27 rebounds, and they didn't track blocks. So Wilt Chamberlain probably had games in which he blocked 15 shots out of the arena, and apparently there's no... But he has zero. Just, he has zero. He, has zero Sorry, he didn't season. block a shot. There are no blocks. Sorry, Wilt. <laughs> and no one can go back. No Russell, look. no blocks either. So I'm glad that by the Chris Dolman era, they at least were able to track how great he was in sack form in the <laughs> in the mid to night, late 1980s. But Judd, you, you grew up kind of watching those Vikings teams. Yeah. You know, I... I I remember Chris Dolman in his last year in 1999, and he had a good year in 1999 too as a as an an aging player. But what 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 do you remember most about the Chris Dolman era and like the 19 mid 1980s, late 1980s of Vikings football? How how when they were at the top of their game, how athletic and how dominating those lines could be, and they were scary. Millard was scary, and, and to the Vikings credit. Think about this. On the inside of that Vikings defensive line, you basically transitioned from a group that included Millard, who I was at the game, I think it was against Tampa, when he ripped up his knee and basically, I think, brought largely an end to his career here. And you replaced him with Johnny Randall. This no name that you've signed out of a Texas A&I. And everyone's like, who's this little guy? And what's he doing playing? Interior defensive line. And so now he... Moves in. The thing that I had forgotten about Dolman statistically that to me uh, stands out, and it's actually after he left here the first time, too. So in 93 was his last year as a Viking, and he had 12 and a half sacks. All right. So then at the age of 33, he goes to the Falcons and he plays two years in Atlanta, and in that time has 16 sacks. That's pretty damn good, right? Yep. But then he's 35. Get this. In 1996, at the age of 35, he goes to San Francisco and reels off 11 sacks at 35. 12 sacks at the age of 36, and in 98, in his last year with the Niners, at the age of 37, he had 15 sacks. So over a three-year period in his mid-30s, he had 11, 12, and 15 sacks. Yeah, it's amazing. That's remarkable. I mean, he he truly is, when you start to think about the greatest pass rushers of all time, Reggie White, Michael Strahan in the modern era comes to mind, Lawrence Taylor as a linebacker, and I, I just, I think... Chris Dolman should probably be further up on that list, top of mind, than he is. And maybe some of it's because never got a chance to play in a Super Bowl. Maybe you're a little bit hidden in Minnesota during that era, but he should be probably recognized higher up on that list. Was he one of the first guys? Because I was reading about him today, and they said he came in as an outside linebacker. And then I think it was in his third year, they third moved year. him to defensive end. Yes, sir. 
Was he one of the first guys? And I know he was he was a a big man. He wasn't he wasn't small by any means, but he was more of an athlete than what a lot of defensive ends were at that time. Lawrence Taylor, I think, was the first guy to really bring that type of athleticism and speed to the defensive end position. Yep. But I feel like he was part of the first wave of guys who did that, that followed Lawrence Taylor, the, the somewhat smaller, more athletic guy lined up at defensive end, a guy who before that probably looked like an outside linebacker, like he was. Yeah, and he, he was, so he, he had played at Pitt, and I, I believe at Pitt he had played both, if I'm not mistaken, linebacker, defensive end, and the Vikings drafted him, and as I said, I believe it was fourth in 1985, and they didn't know what to do exactly. And his first two years, he had three and a half combined sacks, and then they moved him in 1987 on that team that was uh, that was in the strike-shortened season, but yet was successful, and he jumped to 11 sacks. Yeah, so Chris Dolman... 58 years old, legendary Viking. This is Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And our next guest played a few seasons with Chris Dolman in the middle of Chris Dolman's rise and peak in the mid to late 1980s. First round draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings in 1982. 12 years in the NFL, 10 years in purple. Darren Nelson joins the show. Darren, thank you for uh, taking some time to to share some memories about Chris Dolman, your former teammate. Oh, no problem, guys. Tough day. Yeah what 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 stands out the most when you reflect back on his career and and his life as a Minnesota Viking? What what, what can you share with our audience and us? What stands out the most to you? Oh my goodness! Let's see. <laughs> to be brutally honest, his sense of humor. You know, he was Chris was funny. Yeah, he was just a really interesting dude. Very funny, very interested in issues outside of football. But in regards to football, I mean, he was a stud. You know what I mean? He was really hard to block. Guys couldn't block him. He was quick. He was fast. He was like this. Uh, he was like this defensive lineman that had like turbo charge sometimes. Was there a first time, Darren, that you could tell as far as a game or a play when you said, wow, this guy is special as far as the athletic ability that he brought to the field? Well, you can see the athletic ability when we would work out, uh, when we would run sprints or something. I mean, he'd be so far ahead of the defensive line that he was almost like he was a tight end playing defensive line. That's the way he kind of looked to me, except he's a little bigger than the tight end. But... Um, he was really athletic. He loved playing basketball, could dunk and all that stuff, dribble. And, uh, yeah, so he was, he was a, he was just really athletic. What kind of guy was he in the locker room? Was he a vocal leader or more a lead by example type of guy? <laughs> Let's see. He, he was both, I think. You know, he led by example, but, you know, Chris was a guy that was pretty talkative as well. You know, he, but he definitely backed up what he said. You know, if he he had great games, and you know he would just comment a, a little bit here and there. Uh, he wasn't overly talkative, but he he would get his point across when that needed to be put across. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Darren Nelson is our guest here as we reflect on the life of Chris Dolman, who who passed away yesterday at the age of fifty eight. And I told these guys, so I, I was born in nineteen eighty five, and so I don't remember a lot about the late nineteen eighties Vikings, but I did finally go back and watch a large chunk of that 
playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers where that defense, I mean, Joe Montana was at the peak of his powers, and they made Joe Montana. That was one of the more probably embarrassing performances of Joe Montana's career. That game is, I, I feel like people need to talk more about that game in Vikings history. I mean, what when you were watching that defense fluster Joe Montana like that, what did you think? I was just wondering how long it was going to last. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just couldn't believe it. I, this is one of the few times where I stood up on the sideline and, and watched almost the entire time because, I mean, you know, they got Jerry Rice, they got Roger Craig, they had all these guys that are like led the NFL in offense. And here we come, coming into their place, and we just shut them down. Very true. Uh, what was your thought the first time that you saw Chris? show up for for a practice or work with a briefcase too because he is the only guy I think that I've in my time covering sports in any sport Darren that I saw walk into a locker room briefcase in hand I thought he was a complete farce <laughs> elaborate go on yeah, what was in the briefcase <laughs> Lunch? <laughs> hey, but it, lo- it looked impressive because no one else did Lunch it. was in the briefcase, you guys. Didn't have any papers in there or anything technical? So it was just a look. It was like it was just an accessory. So he looked professional and ready to go to work. Yeah, look. Well, I, I think he had it because you know he was a first round draft pick, and you know he was trying to look professional. And, you know, he probably made a lot of money. And so he decided, well, I'll carry this briefcase. But I, I looked at him, and I just thought he was crazy. <laughs> so when, when was the, the first time th- that you discovered that the truth of the contents in the briefcase was lunch and not like a bunch of documents or something, or at, at least playbooks or something like that? Oh, right away. Because <laughs> you know what? I, I, stood, I sat there and just watched him the whole time. And I said, I said, let me see what's in this thing. So I'm going to go sit here and watch it. Yeah, he pulled out lunch. <laughs> you remember what lunch was? <laughs> Excuse me? It was probably uh, it was it was probably a sack lunch, Doug. That's I was going to say, do you recall what lunch was? Like an, like an apple and like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Or? Uh, I don't forget, what, I don't forget what, what kind of lunch it was, but... Uh, he wasn't much on peanut butter and jelly that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so it had to have some kind of meat in it. Uh, Darren, if you could describe those late 80s, those mid to late 80s Vikings teams, if you could describe them in, in three words or less, how would you describe them? Oh, goodness. Athletic. Tough. Smart. Yeah, that'll win. That'll win you some football games. That'll make a good football player. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you make? Uh, what do you make of this of this current Vikings team? The last couple of years. Do you think? Do you think their Super Bowl window is is still open, or do you think we? You think? Do you think they've maybe exhausted it the last few years? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Is one of those guys that is like per, per, perpetual. Uh, I was one of those guys with just a positive attitude. So I'm gonna, I don't think it ever closes. I think the teams that win on a regular basis, like the Patriots, those are like they're really good teams. But I think any team, if, if they get things together and do things right, can win. And it doesn't matter what year it is. Yeah. 
So, well, listen, Darren, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day and, and sharing some thoughts and memories about Chris Dolman. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. All right. All right, man. Thank you. All right. That is former Viking Darren Nelson, Viking running back. He was a first round draft pick in 1982 and spent 10 years with the That's, that that's, br- that's that great that case? he had lunch in that briefcase. I'm glad somebody guys, knew the content. Do you guys remember the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer got a job by accident? He just walked to it, into an office. They thought he worked there, so he started showing up for work and he would bring a briefcase. That's Chris Dolman. Do you remember what was in the briefcase? No. Crackers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just a sleeve of Ritz. <laughs> That's all he had in his briefcase. Chris Dolman just sits down. Sun chips. Something like I that. I was impressed. <laughs> Young reporter, I saw a guy walk in with a briefcase. I thought, wow, that's a different. It's 1999 you covered him? No, I, I was doing work for uh, Viking Update in the early 90s. Oh, so this his was first his first time around. around. Yeah, so, and, and he was... Uh, he came here, I thought, a much more serious guy. I, I think he was a young guy after success in statistics, and I, I don't know what he was like internally, but outwardly, he wasn't the f- most friendly guy. And then he came back in 99 and was way more reflective, I think, and, and appreciative because his career was basically done. And so we definitely saw in this town two different uh, Dolmans, one a young player who was probably chasing sacks and statistics, and then a guy that came back at the end. And I think he still had eight sacks in 99, but he definitely seemed more appreciative of the fact that his career was winding down and had been outstanding. Yeah, so so it's, it's with Kobe on Sunday, and then uh, well, that that was sudden. Chris tough Dolman's week. been battling this for, for a couple of years, but uh, still a tough one for Vikings fans, and the Vikings just sent out a statement alert today. You can read that on scorenorth.com. So when we come back here, the latest on the Kobe helicopter crash and uh, later on, write that down at five o'clock. That's right. It shifted from Fridays to Wednesdays. If you're uh, just jumping in here in the new year, write that down predictions and an accountability session in about 30 minutes. Let's talk about Federated here for a moment. Federated Insurance based in Owatonna, Minnesota, Minnesota based company for over a hundred years and they're very charitable. In fact, over. The past 15 years, Federated Insurance and the Federated Teen Challenge have raised over $35 million for big brothers and big sisters in Minnesota. $35 million. They also are a proud sponsor of U of M Athletics and turnovers for kids for every forced turnover by the Gophers defense. Federated Insurance donates $1,000 to big brothers and big sisters. They also bring that same culture of service and community to your business. So if you're a business owner... And you're just, you know, you want to make sure that if something bad happens to the company that you built, you want Federated standing behind you. You get a great face-to-face relationship with someone who will invest their time and energy into protecting your business. Federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of all the industries Federated protects and to find your Federated representative. Also, in just a couple weeks here, uh, Team Mackey is going to climb 53 stories of steps inside the Capella Tower, downtown Minneapolis, as part of the big climb to raise money against leukemia and lymphoma. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Minnesota is where this money goes to. And you can join Team Mackey right now at MackeyLLS.com. The promo code Mackey gets you on the team for just 20 bucks, And if you raise $100 for our team, you get to climb with us. And this is all, my, for people who've listened to the show for a while, you know that my mom passed away about two and a half years ago, way too young, at the hands of a rare blood cancer. And she gave me two pieces of advice before she passed away. Be a good person and give back. 
And so it's been my mission and our mission to help erase leukemia and lymphoma from the planet. And I would love your help at MackieLLS.com. Either donate and or join the team and we'll see you there. Put your climbing shoes on. We'll climb some steps and you can watch me probably pass out at the top. It'll be great. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by Team Mackie for the Big Climb Minneapolis. We'll get back to Purple Day or Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a second. But first, we've been talking all day at various points here on Score North of the passing of former Minnesota Viking defensive lineman Chris Dolman. Dolman had in 10 seasons as a Viking notched 96 and a half sacks, finishing his career with a total of 150 and a half, which puts him fifth all time. He was an eight time Pro Bowler and two time All Pro in. And in 2012 was elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He passed away last night after a battle with cancer at the age of 58. Join Team Mackey on February 15th for this year's Big Climb Minneapolis to raise money to fight blood cancer, benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey. Go to scorenorth.com slash big climb now. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackey and Judd with Rami. All right. Thank you, Jonathan Harrison. So the latest update on the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash tragedy from Sunday is that the, the the helicopter didn't have a tracking device, a recommended tracking device that would tell you in foggy or unclear conditions how close the aircraft is to land. Mm-hmm. So it, there, there, was, there was nothing. You, you couldn't see because it's foggy. We're yeah. just speculating. Yep. And then there was no device within... The helicopter that would tell you, hey, you can't see, but you're a thousand feet from land. I'm not trying to make light of this, but you guys know my my fear of flying on an airplane. Yeah, I would never, ever get on a helicopter. That's just something that's not going to happen in my life unless it's like I need to be airlifted out of a serious accident or something like that's the only way you're getting me on a helicopter. But when I read that, I thought it is the word that popped off the page to me is recommended. How is that recommended and yeah. not required? It's crazy. And last night, I don't know if you guys saw Stephen Colbert, he was talking about an encounter that he had with a helicopter pilot while he was shooting some stuff in New Zealand. And Stephen Colbert lost his his father and two of his brothers at a very young age in a plane crash. And it was it was a plane crash that got a lot of attention. And because of the black box that was in the plane crash, it changed some of the flight guidelines that still are in effect until today, that have made a lot of us safer. And he told this helicopter pilot that when he was in New Zealand, and they had sort of forged a relationship over the few days that they were flying, and she pulled him aside at the end of it and told him that there are there is no requirement for a black box or any sort of recording device like that on a helicopter. And like this is something that helicopter pilots have been fighting for for years to make that a regulation and make that a requirement like some of the stuff that I'm finding out about helicopter travel since this whole Kobe Bryant oh thing. Oh my gosh. It was already terrifying to me to start with. Now it just seems like crazy dangerous. Did you you guys read there was one part of, of the story that I saw on ESPN.com about this exact thing that also said that it had been recommended that they put this this um device that would alert pilots of this in, but the problem that they cited for why they didn't definitely do it was that it because they fly so low it'd be going off constantly and so now I'm not justifying it but that's what the story said so I, I'm with you 
I will fly in an airplane anytime. They don't bother me one bit. Helicopters scare me. They do scare me. Yeah, I've never been in a helicopter. I don't so think I, I don't think I could get in one. Like I think I'd be so frightened. And if you're Kobe, uh, maybe maybe it was a little bit of a rush, and maybe you were a little bit frightened the first time. But yeah, this is this this is the other thing that I've been reading about as someone who's never been on a helicopter, as someone who doesn't have the financial means to rent a helicopter right. or a private plane or anything like that. The people who do sometimes are either demanding or what happens is the pilots who fly these helicopters or planes because there's a lot of money involved and they want to keep they obviously want to keep flying around celebrities who make a lot of money and they they want to keep that line of work they feel pressure mm-hmm. to push through conditions that they probably shouldn't because if you're Kobe Bryant and I, this is pure speculation by the way and this is just like some of the stuff I've been reading if you're Kobe Bryant or you're any sort of celebrity. Apparently, this pilot, by the way, had had flown for like Kylie Jenner and was a was a known celebrity and and wealthy person pilot. That well, if I'm Kylie Jenner, I need to get from point A to point B, and I'm loaded. I'm a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not going to fly me, then I'm not going to hire you again, right? right. Like that that happens, and so sometimes they feel pressure to fly through conditions that they shouldn't. Which yeah. seems amazing. Like if you if if your life is at risk, even ten percent, you know, go find someone else to to fly for if they fire you. But or just don't fly. Like I don't know, man. Like sit in traffic. I, I believe the, I'm not here to judge anybody or second guess choices that Kobe or anybody else on that helicopter made. But if it was me, like let me sit in traffic, man. I believe the cops had grounded because it was so foggy in Los Angeles on Sunday. I believe the cops grounded their yes helicopters across the board. The difference might be, who knows, the pilot might have said, I can fly, and who knows. But, yeah, it scares me. Were you were you, were you guys watching Inside the NBA on TNT at all last night? I had to go in and out. I was watching the clips at first that, that were being put on Twitter, and, and then I tuned to it, and it was some of the best, saddest, but some of the best TV I've seen in a long time. It was, ju- it, it was I mean, it was, it was riveting. Yeah. It was people, we're, we're going to play a couple clips here. Shaquille O'Neal is this 350-pound character that we've witnessed for 30 years. And he's he's got a persona, and he's a, he's a tough guy, but he's also... And he was shaken to his core. This is, this is Shaquille O'Neal, because there's not a visual if you didn't see it last night. I mean, there are tears streaming down his face, and he is basically reevaluating his entire life on live TV. Shaq last night on, on TNT. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. Go. We, uh, we up here, we work a lot. And I think a lot of times we, we, we take stuff for granted. Like, I don't talk to you guys as much as I, much as I need to. The fact that, uh, we're not going to be able to joke at his Hall of Fame ceremony. We're not going to be able to say, hi, I got five, you got four. The fact that we're not going to be able to say, if we would stay together, we could have got 10. Those are the things that you can't get back. And with the loss of my father, my sister, and my thing, that's the only thing I wish I could just say something to him again. Last time I talked to him was when we were here and I asked him to get 50 and he got 60. The last time I spoke to him. And I just wish I could have, you know, so... It, it definitely changes me. I have to, because I work a lot. You, you, you guys know what I do. I, I, I work probably more than the average guy, but I just really have to now just take time and just 
Call and say, I love you. Rick Fox call, finally called me. He said, man, I love you. B. Shaw called me. So I'm going to try to do a better job of just reaching out and just talking to the people rather than always procrastinating because you never know. Okay, not to not to like be insensitive and compare and contrast here, but if if that were Michael Jordan on Sunday, I don't think I think I think there'd be a shock factor and people would certainly be devastated and I think Kobe is generating a lot more deep reactions like this than Michael would have. A am I right and B why if I'm right? I don't know. The 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 only thing I will say that I think as humans really shakes us to our core here is is the fact his 13-year-old daughter was on board too i think if kobe dies and it, at 41 it's super tragic i'm not saying that people aren't crying or very very sad mm-hmm. but i think the just father and daughter piece of this and father and child piece of this shakes our foundation because look i don't think there's Parent or not, I don't think there's any person that can get their head around kids dying. Nor do I think you should. It's not normal. It's not how the world is supposed to work. So I don't know about your Jordan point, but I do think that this is put into a different stratosphere of just making you want to tear up every time you think about it based on the fact that it wasn't just him. It was his kid. And now his wife and, what, three daughters are left behind. I That shakes me up every time, every single time. And will for a while. Yeah, I don't I mean I think you might have that perception that Kobe is received this way and Jordan might be different because Kobe later after his playing days, he sort of let his human side mm-hmm. be shown. Like he never really showed that side when he was a player. It was the Mamba mentality. He was a killer. And he never showed a soft spot. He never showed any weakness, but he felt like he could be vulnerable enough to show that after he stopped playing. Michael never did that. Not publicly. Still hasn't. Still hasn't done that. Not publicly. But that's not to say that he hasn't done it privately. That he hasn't opened himself up to relationships with with guys who were his contemporaries or his teammates when he played. I think I think there's a good chance Michael did do that and has a lot of the same types of relationships that we're talking about with Kobe. One thing Kobe did that I mean, you don't hear about Michael doing, and and there's no indication that he has really, is like take it upon himself to really be a mentor to a whole nother generation of basketball players. I I think that's one thing that sets Kobe apart from Michael. Michael has done that with a few guys, and actually, I don't know if you guys read his statement after the news of, of Kobe passing away. He said, I always looked at him like a little brother. So Kobe was... A guy from a following generation who Michael kind of took under his wing and I'm sure mentored to a certain degree, but not to the extent that Kobe has done it. I mean, the outpouring of guys who are playing in the league right now who said that they could text Kobe or they could they could call Kobe or shoot him a message somehow, some way, and get some kind of answer back for a basketball question or a life question that they had. That That's really what has stood out to me. Since since the news broke on Sunday is is that that impact that he had. See that's 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 what I think too. When you know, when I think about just their posts, they were very similar in their actual careers. Kobe was just a a slightly lesser version of Michael on the court in terms of overall accomplishments and championships. And then both of them retire at different stages. And Michael Jordan 
it feels to me anyways like Michael Jordan hates when players pass him on lists and would rather like he'll definitely mentor a Kobe once in a while, but Michael doesn't sit there like Michael's like the 1972 Dolphins, like pops a little champagne every time a great player retires and doesn't get to his <laughs> six championships, doesn't doesn't get to his scoring records and things like that. And Kobe feels to me like a little bit like the opposite, where he's actively trying to empower and mentor players to make the game better and and move the game forward. I mean, he he's celebrating LeBron James passing him in certain categories. And I feel like though that that we learn, and this is just a sad fact of life. I feel like we learn a lot about these things at moments just like this. So if Jordan were to die today, we might find out a bunch of different things. But like if if you you think about from Sunday night on all of the different things that we heard about Kobe that we didn't know and and Phil the Facebook story that you read yesterday about basically him saying I will pay for this kid's heart surgery I will do this mm-hmm. and that so unfortunately the the truth of things is that lots of times we just don't know until it's too late and then we celebrate it but if Saturday we we had said all right, let's talk about Kobe. We never would have known half this stuff that all of these current players can call or could call his cell phone, right? So, but I don't know. The other problem is, and the Shaq stuff really is really, really sad and chokes me up, but the other problem too is you can't go around living each day largely thinking, well, Kobe died and now what if this person dies or not? There's a balancing act here, which because I've always found it intriguing when people talk about death and examine death and talk about, and yes, we get very thankful after terrible things for a period of time. We, We do and it makes sense. But if you were to live your life like that every single day, you would almost be in fear at times too. And I think that we need to in some ways suspend our belief a bit just to sort of live our existence. Well, I think it's if that about. Makes sense. I think it's less about obsessing over how long. Like, oh my God, what's what's everyone's timer for when their time's going to be up? And I think it's more about just embracing perspective. And Ernie Johnson said it last night. You know, Ernie Johnson. I'm summarizing it much worse than he said it last night. But just understand that you should pick up the phone, and if there's a grudge that you're holding, just let it go. Just. Get a beer with somebody. Call and Cardinals fans, Rami. Yeah, yeah Rami. Call those Cardinals. Call John fans. Mabry. They're going to have to ca- make the first move. <laughs> call those Cardinals fans. Tell them you love them. <laughs> but like, we so quickly go back to crap really doesn't that doesn't matter, sweating yeah. stuff that doesn't matter, and getting mad but about hard, things that don't but matter. But it's hard not to, too. I will say that. As humans, it's hard not to. But I don't think Shaq is saying, because I've had this thought before. It didn't take Shaq saying it or Kobe or what happened to Kobe happening for me to have this thought. I don't think he's saying, like, every day call all your loved ones and relatives and let them know you love them just in case this is the last time you talk to them. I've been I've been telling myself for a long time, dude, you just got to be better at keeping up with people who you care about. Just call every once in a while and see how they're doing. See what's going on in their life. Remind them that you care. There's so much TV, though, for you to watch. <laughs> There's so much on your DVR. Really, are you going to talk to mom and dad That's when true. you could no, be knocking right. off Colbert right. and Kimmel? You're right. You're 100% spot on with I mean, this. Come on, man. Um, Sha- yeah, Shaq did announce today that because he holds a Super Bowl party every single year, and he held one. He held one here at the Armory, I think, a couple years ago, and he invites a bunch of celebrities and stuff. Yeah, it's not one of those parties where he pays celebrities twenty grand each to show up, and there's a lot of those too. Mm-hmm. But he announced today that he's going to take all the money that they generate in ticket sales or whatever, and he's going to donate to the families 
who suffered loss on Sunday, and he's going to donate it to, I believe, uh, Kobe and Vanessa's charity. So nice. that's kind of cool of Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, where, where are we at? Just to switch subjects awkwardly and abruptly here, what's the deadline for the Jose Barrios arbitration case? February, at some point in time. Okay. Pose your question. That's when the hearing is going to be. Pose your question, because I think you All gave right. us two options, and I okay. think I might have a third. Okay. Should the Twins consider, and I and I'm not weighing in right now. I'm just posing the question, okay? Should the Twins consider signing Jose Barrios to the type of ace-like contract he wants in order to do as good a job as possible of preserving a relationship with the player? Or should they take him to arbitration, which, as Doogie said on the scoop yesterday, sounds like it could get ugly and risk alienating him right now? If you if if you are the Twins and you've signed... Kepler, Polanco, and Sano to what I think we would all consider pretty team-friendly deals. They they suit you well. Would you consider breaking the bank more so and and swallowing hard and signing Barrios to a, let's say, four- or five-year rich contract with the assumption that, A, he's going to become a true ace, and, B, it's going to make him him happy and probably help your relationship with him? I would choose option C all right, because the, the Twins, the way arbitration hearings work, you get once you once you've been in the big leagues for three years, you essentially then for the next three years get to argue what your salary should be, and it's based on a lot of different factors like what comparable players going through the same process make. But whatever all the the factors that go into it equate to, the Twins filed their offer at four point oh two million dollars. Let's just round it to four million dollars. Okay, Jose Barrios's camp filed at four point four million dollars. How about you just give him $4.4 million? Be done with it. I mean, what am I missing? Is it semantics? No, like, understand. is it principle? I don't know. Can Arbit- he just make $4.4 million? Arbitration. You don't have to worry about an extension? And Arbit- you don't have to worry about pissing him off? Arbitration always seems so stupid and petty. It's ridiculous. It gets so ridiculous. It's a $375,000 gap. It's and- less than the minimum wage for, for a rookie player. And you're going to go into this hearing... And lay out all the things that are right. wrong with Jose Barrios yes. to save yourself less than four hundred thousand dollars. You're going to poison that relationship. <laughs> I know for less than four hundred thousand dollars. After you just and again, at the risk of this turning into a cheap poll ads conversation, this happens with all kinds of teams in baseball where they're just digging their heels in on principle. And I could see when you get to a third year arbitration guy, mm-hmm. you know, there's been there's been like Mookie Betts is a third year or maybe even a fourth year arbitration guy. And so his salary is like $27 million. So it could be that the Red Sox file at 23 and his camp files at 30 and now you're fighting over like $7 million and I could see that. This is nothing. Why why risk alienating your best pitcher? Over $375,000. On a potential multi-year deal to Jose Barrios, what's the longest and richest that you would go right now? How old is he now? 26? I have to look it up. 25? Mid-20 sounds right, though. But what's the longest that you... If you went to him and said, let's end this now and let's keep you here for four years. It sucks because I'd really like to see him take another step, <laughs> but you might have to make that decision based on your faith that he can take another step. Yep. I'd probably give him, listen, if he wants to accept $15 million a year on like a five-year deal. That's I, the neighborhood I was in. I'm in, right. but if I'm him, I might try to 
go year to year and see if I can get. But if you're a pitcher, your arm could fall off at any time. If someone gives you fifteen million dollars a year, you should probably just take it. He's twenty five right now. Be twenty six in uh, on May twenty seventh. Yeah, I'd go. I'd go four years in the fifteen million dollar per year range. Sure. When's he a free agent after two thousand twenty two? I think that's right. So you could. So he's just entering arbitration. They've got some control left. Yeah. Yeah. So you could. So with him, you could get him for three more years. I would lock him up for two more. It would be a five year deal for me. I give him like five years and I don't know twelve fifteen million dollars a year. Hope that doesn't. Do you have to go that high? I mean, if right now you're arguing over four to four and a half million, let's say next year it goes up to six. Well, I think it's average annual value. Like it would be less money. It might be eight million dollars in the second year, and then twenty million dollars in the fifth year, or something. You know, that's that's where I'm looking. Free agent in twenty twenty three. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like so. You've got some control. There's no way. I I would say this of all of the the different options we just laid out. There's no way you can go into an arbitration hearing and air out all the things you don't like about him in front of him and his agent. It's just think about that process. By the way, ridiculous process. Does any other sport? The NFL doesn't have that. Does Does the NHL have that? Yes. They so, do. so baseball and they the have NHL. An arbitration process. But here's what I here's what I don't get. In the next CBA for baseball, can we reach a couple things? One, arbitration's out. Because I think it's archaic and it's stupid. So stupid. It's out. And and the benefit for players is this free agency after take your pick. It's six years now, right? And by the way, it's been six years since free agency started. About eight yeah. years before you were born, Phil. It's six years after you've been in the minors for yes. maybe five years. So too. let's so make like, it, I personally think it should be three, but it's not going to get down to three. So let's say four years. Arbitration gone, okay? But you're a free agent after four years. Because six years is absolutely also stupid. How about that? Is that that big of ask on both sides? No, I think where, I think where you I get mean, some pushback. If you're pushback. making sense, no. No, that doesn't, <laughs> there shouldn't be a lot of... So you think Rob well, Manfred's no, th- no chance of approving it? I think where you exactly. might get pushback is there's so many baseball players that aren't first-round draft picks that make it. It's it's not like the NFL where like the NFL doesn't have a bunch of seventh-round picks running around as superstars in their third year in the NFL. Sure. Baseball does. Baseball has a ton of eighth-round picks, tenth-round picks. Right. Not a ton, but like there's enough. Right. And so I think where those guys would fight is, well... If we can't even get to, like, at least arbitration gives those guys a chance to make $4 million in their first year of arbitration. I, I would want a chance to make a bunch of money if I'm a player, but to your point, the whole system should be blown up. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I would also want to know, too, if I'm an agent or a player and I'm going into an arbitration hearing, all right, does this judge know what wins above replacement are, or is he more of a batting average judge? I actually you know? heard like, that <laughs> explained, and that's a major problem, is is that, that there are still people who take these hearings who if you bring in war and you br- bring in a- analytics, they have to be explained to the judge. <laughs> so you're like, I heard this from an executive. Right, so, so listen, his ultimate zone well, rating is, here's the charts. Here's the problem. You have to explain it in a quick fashion and hope that they can comprehend what you're saying. How much time do you get in these hearings? I don't know, but this means, but this basically means that you could roll the dice and just go with old school stats and try and try and destroy the player through that because you know that the judge <laughs> who's hearing the arbitration is going to comprehend that. I'm not kidding. Uh, that's you, guys. Hilarious. you know what's hilarious is that before this offseason, they stopped this practice this year because it finally leaked and got out last year that they were <laughs> doing this. this they would give out a title belt. To the general manager or the front office that did the best 
in arbitration that who, offseason. Who was they? I guess Ronnie printed this out last year. Yeah, we talked about it last we year. We talked about it on the show. It's yeah, it's great. Like the league? GMs. I don't know. It wasn't. It's not an official thing from the league, but it's like a, a boys' club, and they give they have a, a title belt that they would pass around every year to whatever front office did the best in arbitration. I know. Yeah, we really <laughs> screwed our star young pitcher. <laughs> but think That's about right. that. Think about that. You're celebrating that you are essentially ripping your players apart. How stupid is that? It's so ridiculous. But you're right. You know what? Manfred probably loved the title belt. He probably said to himself, that's right, boys. This is great. <laughs> Just, it's a innovative culture-building <laughs> mechanism for baseball. So, all right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And when we come back here in just a couple of minutes, write that down predictions. Oh, That's right. Mm. I got some good ones for you today. Now, look at you all happy are now because down? it's not a home run edition. Home run edition. Are, are they written down? They're not written down. They're never written down. They're taking, they're right he here, Jeb. They're right up here. You don't here. want anyone to find the evidence and exactly. copy your predictions, right? Exactly. All right, we had a few things come off the board. We'll, we'll, get, to, money on the we'll get to the accountability session here shortly. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. You think you like football? Brad Childress doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. I did watch him. I was standing right behind him when he was warming up and saw him kind of reach for his groin and, you know, hold it and whatever you do with the groin. Rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, tw- it twinged a little bit on him. Think you like football? John Gruden doesn't just like football, he f- loves football. You run right by his ass! Scare him to death! Ho 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! Football! Football! Yeah! 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 Gotta eat! <laughs> Alright. Mackie and Jeff are Gruden one. That's new. That's a new one. <laughs> that is. Right Congratulations, yep. gentlemen. Nice addition. All right. Let's talk about money here for a second. You ever look at your paycheck and think, wow, I pay a lot in taxes. I think we've all done that. A lot. But did you know we're actually in an historically low tax bracket period right now? We even saw a lowering of tax brackets as recently as 2018 with the highest rate at 37%. But you never know. These things can fluctuate. When you look at history, as recently as the 80s, we actually had some folks subjected to a 70% tax rate. If you don't know how taxes impact your retirement fund, Dale Tondrick is ready to help you build a plan and understand. You can get a free tax analysis and financial review with Dale Tondrick by calling Dale at 952-401-1671. Dale Tondrick spends his entire life thinking about how you can make more money for yourself in retirement. Make sure that you call your own shots later in life. Again, that's 952-401-1671 or myinvestingcoach.com, Judd. Thank you, sir. I want to talk to you about my friend Jason Walgrave, the Walgrave Real Estate Group, and their guaranteed sale program. If you are going to sell your house this spring, Jason and his team, they will guarantee the sale of your home when you list with the Walgrave Real Estate Group. That's right. I said guarantee. You know, we hear about throughout town, right? We hear about guaranteed offers. Okay, guaranteed offers sounds good, right? It sounds like a good deal. But I'm talking about Jason and a guaranteed sale program. So, you know, the guaranteed offer is fine, but... 
10 out of 10 times, you're going to take the guaranteed sale. All you need to do to make this a reality for yourself, if you're going to be selling your home, is go to jasonsguarantee.com, click on the Guaranteed Sale button to learn how the program works. And now is the time to act. We all know that there's stress in moving, right? Decisions to be made, conversations to be had, a lot to go through. Well, let Jason take some of the stress away and the pressure by going to, going with his Guaranteed Sale program. We all love guarantees, especially in sports, and this one is going to help you sell your house again. Go to jasonsguarantee.com. That's Jason's plural, guarantee.com, and click on the Guaranteed Sale button to learn more. Do it today. You talk about an 18%, 19% rate of banging. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that, Dan. Write that down. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, gentlemen. Your comeuppance in this segment. This is where we hold each other accountable. Thanks, Phil. For mostly terrible predictions. Last week was a forced home run edition. Swinging for the fences. Much to Rami's chagrin. He's very protective of his singles and bunting approach to try and jack, wow. and jack his like, I'm an old school up. guy. Wow, you right? got ripped. I say just go up, make contact, try to get the ball up the middle. <laughs> You're like the like the Tommy Mansky videos. Yeah, just, I don't like all this launch angle nonsense. Yeah, yeah you don't keep war stats, do you? No, Rami's you like your arbitration simple. <laughs> My pitcher had this many wins. He had this many wins. <laughs> yeah, can we put a pitcher win category in here? You go deep enough into the segment, Darn and you, you try really hard. So, all right. So, if you're new to the segment, write that down. We uh, we gather around and we now also invite listeners every week. We a new gather listener, round. We gather <laughs> round. We gather round and we make Whoa, predictions. Dad's called us to the dinner table. It's a write that down. Sports Dad is the yep. one that navigates us through this, and we make three no, predictions each every single week, and then we keep track of the correct and incorrect predictions, and that's what we call the accountability session. Write this down. Let's go through that right now. And then we'll get to you Vike that. You Vike that on Twitter is our guest predictor here. It's a strong Twitter handle. I've seen it before. It's that's, a, that's a really strong Twitter Actually, handle. Actually, let's let's bring him on here real quick here. Uh how, how quickly did you did you grab the you Vike that handle after the Kirk Cousins signing? Uh you know, I've only had it for a year, so wow. it was the year where it went uh untaken. Hmm. But he hasn't come after me yet either, so I don't know. Did he trademark you like that? Right? Does he make a T-shirt? Did did he really? Yeah. You like wow. you like that? Did he trademark you like that? I don't I know that. Feel I like thought he tried. I maybe you're right. He trademarked that when he first got signed here. Okay. And it's been a running joke with me and my friends. So then that became oh. my Twitter handle. Good job. Nice. <laughs> nice work. So before we get into all this here, are you are you gearing up for some home run swings, or are you more of the Rami approach here? What's what's your strategy? My first one's for sure a home run, but the other two, one for sure I don't think is a home run. Um, the other one is kind of off the wall, so I don't even know what to call it. But okay, yeah. Well, that's I wrote, I printed them up and printed it, or I uh, typed it up and printed it out. Wow, I'm reading them off. He's yeah. already done more work wow. than me. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> it doesn't take to, it doesn't take much to do more work than a guy who puts three write that downs in his head every week and comes in and spews them out. And uh, shout out to Sports Dad because he had great advice for becoming a new father and helping my pregnant wife a few months ago. So what was the advice? What the heck did I say? What did he say? He said it's like a cover two shell, and you just got to say everything sucks and just. 
empathize with your wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true across the board. I'm glad it works. Exactly yeah. right. I remember that. It's yeah, a prevent yeah, defense. You're going to give up the yeah. yards. just depends how many you want to give up yeah. one time. Make, make, her, make her neg you 12 times. She's going to give up after the eighth one. That's yeah. cover two yeah. shell. One safety high at least. All right, that's uh, you, Vike. That will be our guest predictor today. But first we go through some of the incorrect and correct predictions from weeks past. And we'll start with Judd. Judd, you predicted that Pat Shermer would be the Vikings' next offensive coordinator. Mm. I shut my on button off because I started cursing. Not being happy. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather have Pat Shermer or Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator? I thought Kubes would leave. I'm, I'm fine with this. Yeah, I just took a stab in the dark. You also predicted that this is from this is from last year's calendar year, so you you won't get dinged for this. But you did incorrectly predict that Dalvin Cook would be the MVP of this year's Super Bowl. That was a home run prediction. Yeah, do you remember those, Rami? I do. Yeah, swinging for the fence. It was a forced home run. Mm. All right, yeah, the raining See what happens when you swing for the fences. A big whiff. It's okay. It Feel a breeze over here. It was fun. <laughs> we all get to be Dave Kingman sometimes. <laughs> the reigning defending batting average champion Jonathan Harrison had nothing come off the board. Manny, right. Manny, you also predicted that Pat Shermer would be the Vikings defensive coordinator in 2020. Nope. Naga, not going to happen. Uh, this one, this one comes off the board from last year's calendar year. You said Kirk Cousins will be a Pro Bowler after the 2019 season. Yeah. So congratulations, mm-hmm. Rami. Nothing came off the board for you. There we go. I like when nothing comes off the board. Nothing came off the board for me. You, you make me look like I play life dangerously, and I'm the biggest wuss I know. Wait till you see my predictions for this week. You just wait. You just wait, Judd Zolgad. Rami living dangerously. Oh, you sense. guys have no idea. But what's Phil, coming didn't right you now. used to think like I was the most conservative, sort of scared, oh, all the time, male that you knew? Oh yeah. In fact, I have. And then we met Rami. I have a full. <laughs> list, I, I have a full list of all of Judd's predictions from like 2018, and it's just straight bunts, straight bunts. The Vikings will play 17, eight, uh, 16 games in 17 oh, weeks. Be quiet, Mister Carl Anthony Towns going to be the man. Okay. <laughs> All right, the listener predictions. Can we take that one off the board? Because it's clearly not going to happen now. Towns? Uh, we yeah, we took that it came off, off the board. We took it off the board. Years. It would be incorrect now. <laughs> Girl pair. All right. <laughs> 507. I'm sure, I'm sure a couple of kids are asking their parents what that means right now. <laughs> listener Chad predicted that the Timberwolves would trade Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, and a first-round pick for Damian Lillard. That would have been nice. I like that trade. I and mean, they still have two of those assets, so maybe they can figure something out. And Mike S. Mike S. predicted at some point early in the season, the Viking season, that he was going with the every-other-year trend that the Vikings and Coach Zimmer would pop up and be good. And so he said the Vikings would make the Super Bowl in the 2019 season. And uh, I can see that. they did not. That did not happen. They so are not playing Sunday. I can see the chance. Here are the updated batting averages. I am batting 500. Manny is batting 333. Judd, 250. Jonathan, uh, 167. Rami, over. Right Listeners, over. And the guests have had nothing come off the board this season yet. So. That's where we stand right there. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Here's how it's going to work. You Vike that. We're going to start with you. 
We're going to go you Vike that to Judd, over to Jonathan Harrison, to Manny, to Rami, back to me. And we're going to go around three times. May uh, may God bless us all. Here. All right. All right. Let's you, go. You Vike that. Start this. us off. I'm excited. Bring it. All Write right. it down. Gonna, you like writing things down. I'm going to shoot my shot. My first, uh, write that down. Gophers will win the Rose Bowl next year. I don't think anyone said it yet. They're going to have a it's a big They're one. They're going to win the Rose Bowl. Isn't the Rose Bowl part of the college football playoff next year? Is it? Ooh. Even more of it. Yeah, it is. Binding. He said write that down. So you're predicting you're predicting that the Gophers will play in the college football championship game, essentially. <laughs> you should have consulted yeah, with sports sure. dads. You like that. Sports dad was right here to help you. <laughs> Wait, did you say win just, or play in the Rose Bowl? He said win. He said, I said win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then you're predicting I'm that they're going to play for the finding. national championship. Sure, that's great. Write <laughs> 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 it down. You like writing things down. Is right, so it my turn? For, first of all, I, I'd like to tell you to write this down. The Walgrave Real Estate Group, our friends, will guarantee the sale of your home, and that's right. I said guarantee. If you're thinking about making a move or selling your home, all you have to do is go to Jason's, and that's plural, jasonsguarantee.com, and click on the Guaranteed Sale button to learn more. We appreciate uh, the Walgrave Real Estate Group sponsoring the Write That Down segment. Such a, Look at Judd. Such a corporate shill in this Jason's, segment now, too. Jasonsguarantee.com. Check it out. All right, write this down. I have been, we've been talking about this a ton, and I looked back last night, and I've not predicted this yet, so I might as well. Write this down. And I'm not even sure what this is going to get me if it comes true. Dalvin Cook will be holding out at the start of training camp this coming, this summer. So Dalvin Cook will be holding out at the start of training camp when the Vikings report. Okay. And I don't know, is that a double? Is that a triple? It's probably not not a home run because it's not going to be a shot. Well, we're only it's only home runs and non-home runs. So I would say it's not a home run, but it'll help your batting average because I, I think it's probably going to happen too. Almost. Write this down. That's Write right. it we down. You like writing things down. We eliminated doubles and triples. Where it's home runs or nothing. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. Okay, then it's right. just, yeah. yeah. So there's no more slugging percentage. It's batting average champion and a home run gotcha. champion this All year. Right. Okay, By the enough. way, there, I, I believe there have been no home runs hit so far in this calendar year. Except for the forced ones that we're going to be forced to come to terms with at some point. Jonathan Harrison, the reigning defending batting average champion. You're up. Still waiting on that bat. Carl uh, Anthony Towns will be traded Come by the time the 2020-2021 NBA season starts. Wait, there were too many 20s in that. What was that again? Basically, Carl Anthony Towns will be traded before next season. Wow. Gotcha. I think you said 2020. Hold on a second. 2020-2021. <laughs> it's binding. It's verbally binding. You know what? Sometime far in the future. End of today's show, you come out to the auxiliary parking lot, and I'll give you that bat. Oh, wow. And then perhaps I'll have to dig a hole. And then perhaps I'll have to sounds creepy. And then perhaps I'll have to dig a hole. That's going to be a trouble before. Come out to my car in the dark, and I'll give to you the that. auxiliary <laughs> lot, and I'll give you that bat. You'll get the bat. Don's like, why are you digging a hole in the backyard? <laughs> Oh, nothing. <laughs> if, right. if, if, uh, <laughs> hey, where's that? Where's that tarp I put in the garage a couple weeks ago? <laughs> Just went a weird place. We need to get Judd a, a windowless conversion van. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's gonna get asked why there's a windowless conversion van expensed on the next report. <laughs> Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down? All right, over to Manny Hill. I'm gonna one up Jonathan a little bit on his. Most recent prediction: Carl Anthony Towns will be traded this off season to the Phoenix Suns. Ooh. 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 Ooh, that would be a home run. 
if he's you're picking play the, with his exactly. boy Devin Booker. See, it, wouldn't that be such a Minnesota sports thing too? Where totally. instead of figuring out a way to get a secondary star here, the secondary star goes elsewhere. Sweet. Classic Minnesota sports, if that happens. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, over to Rob. Around to me. Uh, all my write that down predictions today will be stupid Super Bowl prop bets. Love it. Starting with the national anthem. Over under two minutes. You guys feel free to play along. Maybe we can may, not put it on the official record, but maybe fold this in to write that down next week. Over under two minutes on the national anthem by Demi Lovato. I think Demi Lovato loves her some Demi Lovato. Yep. Wants to be on camera and on microphone as long as possible. That bad boy is going at least two forty-five. So I'm taking, oh, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm taking the over A blowout two, over yeah, over the two minutes and easily over the two minutes in the national anthem for Demi Lovato. Okay, so Demi Lovato made a big Grammys comeback on Sunday, mm-hmm. and she stopped started her song because she got choked up at the beginning. Do you think, from what you're saying, it, it seems like you're saying she probably pretended like she was emotional at the start of the song so she could get the extra 30 seconds. It's possible. I know she's gone through some stuff. I'm not going to make that accusation, but okay. it's entirely possible. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. I thought I saw that this was a prop bet somewhere. I don't know if it is, but I'm going to make it a prop bet. Okay. <laughs> Write this down. <laughs> you do that? I am on this segment. Yeah, he actually can. Yeah. Unwrite that down. He can do whatever he wants, basically. Write this down. So this is kind of a parlay. Okay. Because I'm... I'm predicting that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl, and Andy Reid will be eating a burger during his post-game press conference at some point. Okay. So Andy Reid is going to have a cheeseburger, a burger. So actually, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm, a burger of some kind, a food item of some kind. If it's a chicken sandwich, I don't want to lose the point. Does a drink count? Because they'll nope. often have Gatorade food. at the podium. Has to be no, solid food, food. solid right. food item. Okay. And, and does he have to take a bite, or does it have to just be in front of him? I feel like he needs to take a bite of said item. He I has agree to with hold Judd. it. He has to hold it up to his face, and then you know, and then <laughs> what, whatever he does it? with it. <laughs> like, he has to smell it or take a bite. <laughs> rub it on his face. What are you talking about? Are you taking a bite or not? <laughs> he's going to either smell it or take a bite. Oh, this smells good. But I'm not going to eat any. I could see. I could see him wanting to wait until after the press conference to actually take a bite. But I think Andy Reid is going to celebrate with a big bite of... The spirit of this is a big bite of a cheeseburger, but I'm protecting my okay. prediction here. Fair enough. Okay. 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 Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. The convoluted thing I've ever heard. <laughs> All right. Oh, how to write that down. Over. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a process. I'm like, what? Sorry. Andy Reid will hold food to his face, is what I think you write there. <laughs> I'm just putting, will eat or smell a food item at his press conference. Yeah. <laughs> this write like this a, down. This is like a bunt, too, Sorry. with Andy Reid, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was Kyle Shanahan, I'd be like, I don't think that dude eats much, but Andy, I'm going <laughs> to... It's like saying Snoop Dogg will have a blunt in hand. Like, yeah, of course he will. He's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to back to listener you, that. By the way, if you're, if you're a listener out there and you want to get in on Wednesday, write that down predictions with us, you can actually download the Score North app and you can register to win your way onto the show. Download the app. And go to the Listener Rewards area. you got to be registered. So go to Listener Rewards, and uh, one of the rewards is be a guest predictor on this segment. So you, like that. What's your second prediction? All right. This one's more of a single um, at Rami, basically. Uh, Rami will give up on Mitchell Trubisky by week eight, at least by week eight of the year, which means that he will be benched 
at least by week eight or earlier. Okay, so you're saying I'll be completely because I'm not all 100 in on Mitchell Trubisky. I know I talk like I am sometimes. That's meant, you know, in the spirit of comedy. I'm not out on him. I'm not 100 in on him. But you're saying I'm going to say I'm done with Mitchell Trubisky. I want him out of Chicago by week eight next year. Yes, or that he'll be benched. Okay. I mean, that's more what I'm saying. Right. Like he'll be benched for another quarterback by at least week eight or earlier. All right. Wow, because we're going to have back-to-back predictions involving the Chicago Bears, which I did not see coming. <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. Matt Nagy will not be the Bears coach after next season. Okay. Matt Nagy is entering his uh, third, what will be his third and final season as the Bears coach. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Back to Jonathan Harrison, the reigning defending batting average champion. Despite their stinker on Sunday, the Gophers men's basketball team will make the tournament as higher than a 10 seed. So the latest bracketology from... Like better than a 10 seed? Better than a 10 seed, yeah. Okay. Just want to clarify. One one recent bracketology... (laughs) Says the guy guy who did write that down on Andy Reid will have under his mustache a food (laughs) item on Sunday. (laughs) I just want to clarify clarify that one. Andy Reid will smell a hamburger. (laughs) Write this down. I'm gonna. Add, can I add to my Andy Reid prediction? <laughs> what pickles? His eyes will roll back into his forehead. There will be there will be a piece of food in his mustache. There will be a Popeye spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah. Mm, so you I probably should go for do. one of those. Right. <laughs> right, back to Manny Hill. What's your prediction? Uh, I don't think I I don't think I made this prediction last week. But we've got the well, last week. I know I I I know my brain is crazy right now, but. Last week was a forced home run edition, too. Oh, okay, yeah, then no, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings will be Eric Bieniemy. Ooh. Ooh. That, Ooh. that was going to be my third prediction. I'm not going to have to <laughs> come serious? up with something else. Wow. I'm not Add to yeah. it. Wow. Add to it. Yep. Let's. Uh, we're, from now on, the only predictions today are adding to that prediction right there. All of us. We have to add to that. I was gonna, Write this down. Awesome. <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Rami. Will the broadcast show the video of Andy Reid as a child doing the punt, pass, and kick competition? <laughs> that's, that's an actual prop. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's 100% yes going to happen. Yes, it's plus 300. No is minus 500. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they don't show Upset. Andy Reid doing the punt, pass, and kick competition during the broadcast. During the game. During the game. Not pregame, not postgame. During the game. Will the broadcast show the video of Andy Reid doing the punt, pass, and kick competition? I say no. Yeah, they're they're into. But by, by the time the game starts, they're into the serious football things. Right. So I, I think yeah. I would side with Rami. On write that. it down. You like writing things down? Write this down. All right. Write this Wait down. Wait you hear the last one. The last one is just the is, best. Is prop. it the Gatorade color? No. 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 It's halftime show related. Wardrobe malfunction. It's you're close. <laughs> okay. We'll you're wait. We'll wait. All right. Write this down. Tony Romo Write this down. will work for ESPN in 2020. So they will land Tony Romo in 2020 on ESPN. Write that down. Write this down. It would be really fun if they somehow paired Peyton Manning and Tony Romo, but I am gonna I'm gonna follow the smoke. I think I think there is uh, I think there's a fire there. I think Tony Romo winds up with ESPN. You Vike that. What is your final prediction of the Write week? it down. You like writing things down. All right, this one's a little off, but 
I think I can speak for everyone in saying that we all love the Kirk Cousins Pizza Ranch commercials. Absolutely. So, They're classics. So they will continue next year, but uh, his friend Kevin, poor Kevin, <laughs> they will have a falling out, and there will be a different buddy with him. Maybe he gave him the pie chart of his food plate one too many times, but Kevin will no longer be a part of the Pizza Ranch commercials, and he will replace by a different Kirk Cousins buddy. Poor Kevin. Mm, it's too bad. Ke- That'd be tragic. Kevin, does, Kevin looks like a guy who secretly hates Kirk, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's always annoyed by Kirk, and I don't blame him. <laughs> like, do we know, is Kevin is Kevin a childhood friend? Of, is he supposed to be a childhood friend? Did they become friends because they're, their kids play? They never know? explain the relationship with Kevin or who Kevin is or where he came from. Hmm. Are we supposed to think he's like a teammate or something? I think Kevin oh, is just, just like the like the neighbor or the best friend in a sitcom. We're just supposed to know that or assume it when seeing Pizza Ranch commercials. <laughs> is it like Full House where it's like Dave Cooley? He just kind of lives there and yeah, nobody, knows nobody knows why. why. Yeah, yeah, why did you, just, you get, get your own apartment somewhere, buddy? <laughs> you know what? Jesse's Cut living in the out. attic. Cut it <laughs> out. <laughs> You like wood? Write it down. You like writing things down. <laughs> I would I did kick that guy out of my house right away with those kids. It's weird. They had like nine people in the house yeah. and just some random freeloading buddy. Dude, Uncle Jesse, I think he got married to Aunt Becky and they were still living in the attic. Yeah. Like, get with your two own kids. place. With two kids. Get your own place. It makes zero sense. sense. She's bribing colleges and got caught. It got ugly. This house is a little too full. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. Back to Judd. All right, I'm going to let that just sort of lie there for a second. Got to let it it breathe a minute. All right. It's not as full as the next iteration of the show, which ran four seasons. And now we're back. Fuller house. And now we're back. Fullest house coming up. That went somewhere. That was upsetting, though. It's done now. I saw some YouTube clips. The actors were crying at the end of that show. Write it down. You like writing things down. Especially their friend who... What's your face? I digress. Eric Bieniemy will be named the coach of the Vikings after next season, which I had written down, but obviously that also has been uh, taken by Manny Hill. And former Viking Greg Lewis will come from the chief staff to be his offensive coordinator. Ooh. Eric Bieniemy is the head coach. Greg Lewis, who had one of the great Vikings catches. In fact, it might have been his only catch that season. The original Minneapolis miracle. Bingo. OC. Right. Write it. this down. All right, Jonathan Harrison. I've got a Lakers parlay here. The Lakers will miss or will make the playoffs as the one seed in the Western Conference. They'll lose just two games the entire playoffs, and LeBron James will be named the NBA Finals MVP. Yeah, that's right. going to happen. I think he's, he's going to be a man on a mission. Write this yeah. down. Manny Hill, your final prediction of the week. Uh, Raheem Mostert will score the first Super Bowl or the first touchdown in Super Bowl 54. Yeah, he has come on. Write that down. What's he playing the Vikings? (laughs) (laughs) Something I don't know. Write it down. You like writing things down. The question everybody's asking when it comes to the Super Bowl on Sunday. Will Jennifer Lopez show butt cleavage during the halftime show of, of the Super Bowl? Can I get a definition on what that is exactly? Is think, that above above the... I think it's any crack. I think if we're seeing any crack, it's official butt cleavage. Okay. Yeah. Right? Am I right about that? I don't know for sure. I'm going to need a ruling on this. Never did I ever imagine that I would have to type in butt cleavage on the Write That Down <laughs> Predictions page. Today's show is for mature audiences only. <laughs> well, 
yes is plus 500. No is minus 1,000. I'm taking the yes on this. You're I'm, going yes. I'm going yes. I think we see J-Lo butt cleavage Sunday night during the Super Bowl halftime show. Is this wishful thinking, or are you doing <laughs> can't it be research here? The can't, it, can't the answer just be yes? yes? Yeah, all right. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Yes. All right, final prediction. Write this down. Speaking of LeBron James, I'm going to go with the Lakers prediction, too. LeBron James on Friday night in the Lakers' first game back after the tragedy will either score 24 points exactly in a quarter or he will score at least 60 points in the game. He's going to try and pay... By the way, he couldn't have done those things, I don't think, against the Clippers, but he can against the Blazers. So I think he's going to try and pay tribute to Kobe by either scoring 24 points exactly in a quarter or by scoring at least 60 points in the game. So... We'll see what happens. All right. Write this down. All right. Write it down. You like writing things uh, down. You like that. Any final words from you? You were the guest listener uh, predictor here, and you did, you did a great job. You swung for the fences a couple times. Any any final words? No, it sounds great. I wish I would have put in a Twins prediction, but another time. All right. All right right on, good. man. Appreciate you. Staying true to the handle. You like that on Twitter there. I love how the prediction of Cousins' friend in the Pizza Ranch commercials. <laughs> It's just Kevin. Kevin it's Some it, random it, guy named Kevin. It, it doesn't appear like they're tight to me. Like, they're not selling it at all. Well, no, what, like... Like, I don't feel they're friends at all. When I first moved here and I saw the Pizza Ranch commercials with Kevin, I thought I was just, like, an outsider. Like, I didn't know what was going on, but of course everybody else knew what was... Like, who, Kevin was a local celebrity? Who, yeah, like, some kind of local celebrity. I just figured I was on the outside of this 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 joke. Or, or, is, he, is, or is, he, is he a stand-in for Kevin Stefanski? Is it an actor playing Kevin Stefanski? I don't know, man. Can the can the next do you know what we should do? Be uh, Gary, Jonathan. We should try and find Kevin, so we can talk to him okay. and find out. Yeah, what, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's get the what four if we one. I'll talk to Kevin. my pizza ranch connections. What if the big twist? Exactly, which you withheld from us. What if the big twist in the I last you? in the last ever pizza ranch commercial is that Kevin isn't even a real person? It's like a Fight Club situation. <laughs> Just Kirk Cousins. Then we gotta get. Then we gotta find out. Then we gotta get to the bottom of it. First rule of Pizza Ranch: Never talk about Pizza Ranch. Write this down. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, and we will get back to live Mackie and Jeb with Rami here in just a second after we talk about a couple of things, including the brand new 2020 Highlanders at Luther Brookdale Toyota in stock and on special right now, and also zero percent interest on all remaining 2019. Highlanders just trying to make room for the rest of the 2020s. Winter just goes a little easier behind the wheel of a Highlander and a Tundra, Tacoma, Forerunner, Rav4, pretty much anything with four wheel drive and great safety features and a little extra space is going to make you feel safer and more comfortable on the roads as you ride out these last couple months of winter. Uh, you can also get into the service department, talk to Steve and my friends in that service area to make sure that you have a battery that's at full steam ahead and also do a safety check uh, just on your vehicle. You can grab a hot cocoa or coffee from the Luther Lounge while you're waiting. It's all free for you. And you can stop by, open until 9 o'clock tonight, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Also, we're sitting here in the TCL studios, and we're watching more Kobe tributes here on ESPN. But whenever we're watching sports in the Scorno studios, it's on a TCL TV 4K picture quality and built-in Roku devices giving us access to 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000 TV show episodes. You name it, it's available in streaming form on these TCL TVs. 
I've absolutely loved the last three weeks being a cord cutter now. I had cable for 20 plus years, and I just, I don't think I'm going to go back at this point. YouTube TV is a lot more cost effective, and I don't have nearly as many cables or remotes or have to pay like a monthly rent on a cable box. It's just a perfect way to consume all the entertainment and sports that I want as a cord cutter. TCLUSA.com. Jonathan here with the Score North. Donald, we'll get you back to the final segment of the day of Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a moment. But first, join Team Mackie and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackie for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackie when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com. Keyword climb. We've been talking all day at various points here on Score North of the passing of former Minnesota Viking defensive lineman Chris Dolman. It's at second and 29 for the Buccaneers. Ball on their own 31. And a flag on a play as Chris Dolman wraps up Steve DeBerg. Ahead. White is sacked. Ball is loose and the Vikings have it. He's coming from the outside, number 56. Real good speed, a speed rusher. Dolman in 10 seasons as a Viking notched 96 and a half sacks, finishing his career with a total of 150 and a half, which puts him at fifth all time. He passed away last night after a battle with cancer at the age of 58. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. How much time would you have to have on your hands if you are Tony Adams? The random person on Twitter who went through 8,200 pitches that the Astros saw as hitters in 2017 and over 1,100 trash can bang noises. This guy tweeted earlier today, I'm an Astros fan. To understand the scope of the Astros cheating and the players involved, I logged every trash can bang from every Astros 2017 home game with all the video that was available. Over 8,200 pitches watched and over 1,100 trash can bangs found. The results are at signstealingscandal.com. I say good on this man. <laughs> this enterprising, Wait, like, entrepreneurial wow. young are we, it's man. Amazing. God are we bless totally, him. Are we completely buying this for sure? 1,000%? You think you would spend all that time just to just to make it up? It sounds pretty believable to me. Oh, no, it definitely does. That's what I mean, makes he has me skeptical. Charts, Exactly. Charts. Exactly. That's what makes me skeptical. And <laughs> that he has charts. Yeah. I look. Look at all the work I did. <laughs> look at all the work I did on this. Mike Rand actually on, combed right through now. it yeah. for StarTribune.com. There. there you go. You got to find the trash can. You get the trash. Oh, There's one behind you behind over there. You. There you go. Nope. Hold on. There you go. That's better. That's better. Ow! So remember that. How funny would it be if one of the Astros players got hurt banging on the trash can? Break your hand, yeah. break your hammock bone, or whatever. But the Twins got smoked a couple times by the Astros in July of 2017. And Mike Rand actually went through went through this report for StarTribune.com and said 10 of the trash can bangs came in the second inning of Jose Barrios' outing, dejected, leaving the mound sad. All of them were on breaking pitches. So the Astros were using the trash can bangs to signify that Jose Barrios was a ridiculous breaking ball is is going to throw one. And uh, there was one, like, for instance, where Yuli Gurriel falls behind Jose Barrios 0-2 in the count. 
And then he lays off two pitches consecutively, both of which he knew were coming, breaking balls in the dirt, because he heard the trash can banging sound. Okay. And uh, Ted Schwerzler, who does some writing for, he listens to the show, loyal listener Ted, and he does some writing for Twins Daily. So he went through the report and found that the Twins had pitches tipped on 112 of 472 pitches in that series against the Astros. So, And that's just the trash can banging noise. So basically on 25% of the pitches... The Twins pitchers threw to the Astros in that series, and we're talking about Phil Hughes, Kyle Gibson, and Jose Barrios. The Astros knew what was coming specifically on on twenty five percent, and maybe even like the other seventy five percent were probably fastball. So they might have known what was coming on every pitch in that series. And I just that's that's a an interesting if if this guy's not just making up all the results, which good for him either way. I mean, when you see it, I thought I heard like the bang that, on that one for sure. I guess I was wrong. When you guys see the results like that, does, yeah. if if it's real, let's just assume that this guy went in and did yep. the research, yep. and this guy yep. uh, does it, it. To me, it brings it to life. I mean, these dudes got rocked in that series, wow. and we're sitting here thinking, "Wow, Jose Barrios can't get the Astros lineup out." This is why I, I think, as distasteful as this sounds, and I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. This is why, if the unless the Astros really get out in front of this at some point, and they have failed miserably. Dallas Keuchel, who's twice removed from that team, is the only guy to truly say, I'm sorry, boys, we're going to have guys hitting the dirt left and right. And I don't think I don't think pitchers are going to care. Like, umpires will warn them, and I don't think they'll care. This is going, and I don't know if Dusty now... Yeah, that's official today. By the way, you go from a- A.J. Hinch, God bless him, to Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker. But Dusty... Gonna lay the law down, baby. I think people like Dusty, so perhaps he'll get to Altuve and Bergman, and those guys will be like, you've got to apologize. I mean, like, you've got to be sincere here. Uh, but if these guys continue with their sort of flaunting it, this could get super ugly. And I don't, I don't condone throwing at players, but I don't know if I can blame pitchers for being super PO'd. Yeah, this is one instance. That's I'm, my. I've argued adamantly here. against bean ball wars and, yeah, and, and throwing at yeah. guys, but this is one instance where, like, I, I say we don't need unwritten rules because there should be written rules about what happens if you violate certain parameters. But when the the rule of law, when the actual authority figure is not doing anything to the guys who orchestrated and acted out this plan to cheat. That being Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, who let these guys off the hook scot free. Well, that's when vigilante justice has to take over. Like I'm with Rami, man. I'm no, totally I know. But Rami. think about what what we're we have sat in the studio before and been like, this should never happen. This should, and now we're all it's going to happen. Batman came to be because he sat back and watched no one do anything while Gotham ran amok. Gotham ran amok. And now Houston. And and Bruce Wayne said, I have the resources and I have the courage to do something real about this crime. And he went to work, man. He went to work with Alfred and everybody else. Who's Bruce Wayne then? Jose the pitchers. Yeah, the pitchers. I, the pitchers I around can't Major League Baseball. If I'm Jose Bruce, I'm actually dressing up as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and throwing fastballs right at Alex Bregman's ribcage. Just take them out. Because... And and this goes back to what remember that Mike Clevenger clip that we played last yeah. week. So when this guy does all this research, of course people start digging into his research and trying to find some of the ramifications of what the Astros did. Remember Clevenger talking about guys who get sent down and guys whose major league careers get ended by cheating. Uh, damn, da- or excuse me, David Spampanato. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He works for SNY TV. Okay. He quote tweeted one of the uh, 
one of one of the the graphs that this Tony Adams dude had put together said on August fourth, the game with the most trash can bangs, the Astros scored sixteen runs. Mike Bolsinger, a Blue Jays reliever, allowed four runs in a third in one third innings pitched. He never pitched in the big leagues again. God. Like those are the ramifications we're talking about. Again, yeah. we think about Araldis Chapman standing on the mound in the ALCS with a smile on his face like he knew something was up. And that sucks for Araldis Chapman. But Araldis Chapman has a World Series ring. He has more money than he'll ever know what to do with. The guys who really get hurt by this and the guys who really deserve justice for this are guys like Mike Bolsinger and other guys whose major league careers are hanging on by a thread and and you're setting them back by cheating. And And so far... The Astros have done almost nothing to say, yeah, you know what, we were at least wrong. Yeah, it is It is pretty amazing that you would decide, if you're Rob Manfred, you would decide, all right, in order to make sure that the manager and the GM get fired, all of the players that were also involved in this, if not even more involved, those guys, zero punishment. So, all right, we wrap with Roycey every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the show. And, Pat, we uh, – well, let's start with uh, – Chris Dolman – one of the maybe even more underrated in terms of Hall of Fame pass rushers and players, but it's one of the great Vikings of all time. What do you remember about Chris Dolman, Pat? I remember that his first nine years, he was hard to get along with. He was a raving egomaniac who was uh, resented every honor that Keith Millard, his teammate, ever received. And when he came back in 1999, he was the greatest sweetheart we've ever had. He was a great guy when he came back. And I wondered what had happened. You know, Sid used to always tell guys that they needed a brain transplant. I think Chris got one. I don't know what happened, but... uh, he, uh, of course, that's not a very uh, good uh, thing to say, considering what uh, he died from. But, uh, but uh, he was he was uh, he was hard to get along with. Uh, now, how he was in the locker room, I, I can't tell you. But as far as the media was concerned, it was not uh, it was not good. In fact, former Turkey of the Year winner, 1991, really uh, had had seven sacks that year. Had a horrible year. I'm sure, he liked that. Looked like he looked like he was done. You know, it was like year seven. And I jacked him up, and he had like 27 the next two years, and then he left here because he feuded with Denny. And, you know, I definitely softened my stance on Dolan when he started feuding with Denny. But, uh, uh, you know, and then he went on and had, what, one year at San Francisco, he had 15 and a half or something like that. They they picked him up and thought they were getting a guy on the downslide, and he had a great year for them. And, uh yeah, he was, uh, you know, it was interesting. They brought him in as a linebacker. They didn't know what they were going to do with him because they were experimenting with the 3-4. And Bud's, uh, the one year Bud came back is when they drafted him. And I remember the conversation out at uh, Winter Park that day about, you know, what are you taking this guy? What was it, fourth overall? Something like that. Fourth overall, right. 85. Yeah, fourth overall, and he didn't really... You know, he wasn't going to be a pass rusher. He's going to be kind of this tall linebacker. Then they went back to their normal defense instead of the three-four they did install, and uh, and slowly but surely he became a, a great, great pass rusher. And uh, yeah, he was. Uh, you know, whenever he was uh, seen uh, later in life here out here, he's a, just a heck of a guy. So it was. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess he was fighting for uh, fighting for credit fighting for uh, prominence in those early. The famous game is when they got their arse kicked out in San Francisco. 
in the uh, I think in November of one year, and he was uh, he was going over to the 49ers town to vote for him for the Pro Bowl after the after the game. We gave him a little hard time about that one. So because uh, because in San Francisco, Judd, were you ever at Candlestick for? Oh game? yeah, a couple times. I loved yeah, it. Where they let you Complete walk dump. out on the field, basically. You had to cross it when they were walking off the field, and, and there was a bunch of us standing there, and Dolman was out shaking hands and lobbying to be to get their votes for the Pro Bowl. So, uh, and he didn't really need them. I mean, he was a Pro Bowler, but uh, and it, it was a great player, but. Uh, yeah, the, the only memory, not all our uh, locker room confrontations were uh, wonderful, I'll tell you that. So, so what you're saying, Pat, is the Turkey Committee in 91 deserves credit for Dolman's resurgence right. and continuing think, for seven more yeah. years because you inspired him through giving him the Turkey of the Year. That's what the Turkey of the Year does. I know. All right. Uh, it, it does those things. Herbie, Herbie won it in 90, 91, they won the World Series. What you think? You think Herbie and Puck, Kirby had anything to do with that? Hell no! It was the Turkey of the Year <laughs> that, that World Series. Man. And and but he's why is he in Canton? Because he was the Turkey of the Year and he got motivated again. Because he he was almost you know out the door. He was it looked like he was really on the downslide, and then he just came back and became better than he ever was. Earlier, we had Darren Nelson on the show, and and. Dolman infamously would show up at the stadium or, or to the practice facility with a briefcase. Judd asked Darren what was in the briefcase, and he said lunch. Can you confirm or deny <laughs> that he carried lunch in the briefcase? That, but, but during the uh, 1987 World Series, everybody wanted to know what Wani Berenger always had in his briefcase when he walked off the airplane, and it was six cans of beer in his briefcase. So, <laughs> so, Big Berenger fan. Like he looked like a businessman, but he had six cans of beer in there, which we would take off the charter, uh, take off the flight. So, uh, yeah, it probably was lunch, but uh, don't, don't, that's good, I suppose. Maybe maybe he didn't like those healthy lunches they were serving upstairs or something. Yeah, Pat, in, in your drinking days, did you ever carry anything in a briefcase, or did you just uh, <laughs> brown paper bag? Well, uh, no, I didn't really have to carry anything around. Uh, so I, I always trusted that there'd be a bar open. Now I've told you guys the famous story about Halsey Hall with the with the three bottle valise that he took on to the airplane. My my first year, his last, and uh, uh, we asked him how come he was taking that uh, liquor with him on the road trip, and he said, "You never know when you're going to run into a local election." Which uh, you know, back then they used to close the bars on. Uh, on uh, on election days, even no matter how minor the election was, I don't get that one. I don't understand well, that one. Why? Well, they closed the bars. No, I know, but that on would seem like a time days. if I went and vo- and voted, I'd like to go to the bar to have a few drinks after I get done voting. I've never well, understood the premise. Eight o'clock, but you, you All right. eight o'clock, but you couldn't, uh, you couldn't right. do it before that because we we wanted back in the days when we had two parties that both wanted to let people vote. Instead of just one of them that now wants to let people vote. Pat, what are your thoughts on the ongoing impeachment trial? <laughs> <laughs> I I think they're going to have a hard time getting two thirds, no matter uh, uh, what they say here. So, uh, no, I hope he uh, I hope he uh, makes it to the end. So, uh, 
so that uh, he can. Uh, I, I don't want to. Yeah. Let's, let's. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to end that thought six or not. Six five one six four six eight two five five. If you want to sure. debate Pat right now, Jonathan will take your calls, talk to you a little bit, and then he'll put you on the air. Oh, Jonathan, just put the, the phone lines on busy. I'm to quote Buck Henry from Saturday Night Live in the mid seventies when he was trying to get calls. I am in favor of non-Russian communists being able to break into your home and steal your mangle your puppies, kill your puppies. Call me now. He still didn't even get a call. So. <laughs> Yeah, we can dead mangled puppies. That's one of the great skits of all time. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, boy. Amazing. Skits of all time. But uh, anyway, I haven't talked to you boys since the uh, rather, you know, that loss the other night. That's the greatest historic moment as far as just history, right? In Minnesota sports history, isn't it? The Timberwolves? It's one of them, yeah. yeah. One yeah. out of 8,379. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty remote possibility. Yeah, that's a... Uh... And, and, and on a night where you are honoring one of the most tenacious, the Mamba mentality, and you yeah. find a way to blow 17 points in your last 240. Uh, and you know, you know the trouble with that is the trouble with the internet and uh, computers and all this stuff. Back in the old days, they would have said, nobody could remember that ever happening. <laughs> now they got the numbers. <laughs> now they can prove it. So, uh, you know, go look at it and uh, run it through the computer and, uh, you know, when they get their and get, Pat, get stats. And, pa- hey, Pat, Pat, Cat could not get out of that locker room quick enough. He was so far gone by the time that, that Saunders got done talking and we got there that it was up to poor Shabazz Napier to serve as the spokesman for the team. I think I like Shabazz, though, just as a guy reading some of the quotes from him yeah. and stuff. I, I think he's a decent backup point guard. He shouldn't have to be playing, you know, 35 minutes. But uh, I, I, I don't think he's a huge problem but, but as a backup. But uh, they definitely uh, need themselves, among other things, they need somebody to run the show. There's no doubt about that. Yep. All right, Pat, we will catch you on Friday, sir. Thanks it's for coming. It's raining in Florida. What the oh, no. You're going to catch a cold. Sorry, Pat. You just, you just, you just slept. <laughs> That's too bad. Hey, hey, I've, uh, I, I was just going to say, Robbie's been doing some research on Kirk Cousins' friend Kevin in the Pizza Ranch so, commercials. Our guy Chad tweeted. I just followed him on Twitter, by the way. You did too? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, Kevin's on Twitter? No, no, no. Well, yes, but he's, well, not, he is. he's not Kevin. The actor who plays Kevin is on Twitter. Chad pointed out to us. The actor we is gotta get this guy on. a young man by the name of... Michael or Mikel? It's yeah, M-I-K-E-L-L Sap. So I found his Twitter account. Here's the problem. He hasn't tweeted since June 7th, 2018. So I, fo- I followed him. followers? Is that right? Yeah, I followed it's him. No, few. 86 followers. Oh, 86. I followed okay. him just in the hopes that he follows me back and we can DM and I can get him on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. Slide in those DMs. But uh, I also <laughs> did a little research on Mr. Sap, and he's a- he's actually... A, a local actor and a pretty accomplished one and acclaimed one at that. He was, uh, let's see here. He got the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2015 Ivy Award ceremony. He was in a few plays, won uh, the Ballad of Emmett, T- Emmett Till, 
Marcus or the Secret of Sweet. All right. And one that I can't say here on the air, even though I'm... I don't think they're using the word in the way that it would be interpreted if I said yeah, it. Yeah, you're better off not saying that. Um, but yeah, he's he's got some credentials so under we, his belt. We need to talk to him about Kirk also, let's, do a, let's do a live broadcast with him at Pizza Ranch. I'd, I'd be down for that. He was also in a Target commercial a few so years John, back. Jonathan Amazing. Like that. that went viral. Amazing. Pizza hey, Ranch. If you missed our Write That Down predictions, face. by the way, hmm. find us on demand. The Score North app, Mackie and Jeb with Rami.